0: Clay, let's get right into this one explain mm. to me what happens in the b-plot of meld which is the shay sandrine sequence uh, in this episode what what I, i'm a, i watched it i didn't think anything was happening and then for some reason paris and Chicote are at each other's throats by the end of it and i feel like there's going to be a murder another murder after the the, the credits roll or something i'm not i'm not really sure what goes on in that b-plot it's strange pa- paris is has got
1: a gambling ring going that he himself is benefiting from, and how, uh he's hustling everybody so chicote has to shut it down
0: how how did i make, did i just blank out how accurate do they have to be to guess the number of like neutrinos in a nebula or something up uh, I guess
1: apparently they have to be dead on because <laughs> nobody's winning, and he's reaping all
0: the benefits it's those uh was it Mega Millions or whatever? All the lotteries, I guess, get passed on. If no one wins, it just keeps building, and then you can go crazy. And the media says you got to buy a lottery ticket, and you do. You think mm-hmm. you're going to win, and you don't win. Shockingly, mm-hmm. that's exactly what happens in Shea Sandrine here. With I guess that woman's name is Ricky. She's a recurring character. Oh, okay. A lot of making out with Paris and her. A little bit of Harry. I, Kim. Had, a f- I had
1: a friend once who told me who was very upset the day after they called Mega Millions. I may have said this before I can't remember. We've been doing this for a long time. Uh, he was very upset because he said my ticket I was one number off on every every number. I almost won and I was like I don't I don't think that's how that works,
0: but <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty remarkable though if it's actually true. I know, yeah.
1: yeah. You should it's like you should get extra points for that.
0: Yeah. Kino, if you don't get anything in Kino, I think we talked about you win in Kino because the odds of not getting a number in Kino is difficult. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So. I mean, that's the that's the problem with the lottery, right? Because it's either you win or you don't. Where I feel like most other gambling things, it's like there's such a wide array of ways to win or lose. Yeah, that uh, you know.
0: Well, well isn't is it with like? I'm always a little bit confused. There's a way to win a little bit of money in Mega Millions somehow. Like people people win like a hundred thousand dollars, and there'll be like twenty of them that do that. Do you have to get like? Because I all think all of the
1: numbers except like the extra ball or something. Yeah. The what end. they
0: what they call the mega million, the, like the bonus ball or whatever, which seems to determine yeah. whether or not you win. I guess it's if you, if you just get four out of five of the numbers or something that's worth X amount of dollars. Yeah. 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 Imagine getting that and not getting the, the last ball. You'd still be happy, but you'd be like, God damn. God damn. Yeah. Do you know anyone who's ever won the lottery? Like, 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 how much I mean, like money? I
1: am talking like multiple millions of dollars.
0: No, not multiple millions. Yeah. Um, my, f- my parents won fifteen thousand once. That's about oh, no kidding! Sort of,
1: yeah. Oh, that's on cool.
0: Keno. <laughs> oh, that's, right. that's why I know. But I know, I know, a friend Sean had an uncle who won the, the lottery. Yeah. Or something. yeah, yes,
1: he won uh, close to a hundred million dollars. I think.
0: Yeah, and uh, bought Patriots season tickets with it.
1: Yeah, I I reap the benefits from that because uh, one summer his young daughters at the time really wanted to see the jonas brothers Mm -hmm. and uh the only way that he could get jonas brothers tickets was to buy season tickets to the tweeter center or whatever whatever it's called now (laughs) yeah and uh so he had all these other tickets actually i think we both benefited from that because we went to uh river rave that year remember that did i go to river rave yeah, because we, we saw Stone Temple Pilots.
0: Oh, were they a part? Of, I was going to bring up Stone Temple Pilots. They were a part of that then, I guess. Yeah, yeah, because okay. yeah,
1: we had those like those like box
0: seats at the, yes. at the edge of the first thing. Yes, yeah. that's right. Those those box seats were great. You had like a yeah. little table. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was fantastic. I saw Iron Maiden there. It was unbelievable. Oh, really? Yeah, Stone Temple yeah. Pilots was really good
0: when I we went. Um, yeah. I caught a cigarette from Scott uh, Weiland. Nice. <laughs> 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 he was throwing cigarettes in the crowd and I caught one. That's the benefit of sitting in that little uh, that little box. That's all you're. You're yeah. basically sitting in like a little animal pen, but it's only for you and your your friends who are in <laughs> yes. there. So it's, it's nice. <laughs> yes. All right. This episode of Voyager is called Meld. It's the sixteenth episode of the second season of Voyager. It came out on February fifth, nineteen ninety six. It is one of three in Souter's penance arc. Teleplay oh. goes to Michael Piller. Story credit goes to Michael Sussman. Directed by Cliff Bowl In universe date is unknown, but it's twenty three seventy two. In, I have a question.
1: Yep. What number in the Neelix tries to get an orgy going arc is this?
0: <laughs> <laughs> One of 153. It's an <laughs> ongoing serialized plot. In Meld, Tuvok is plagued by the senselessness of a murder aboard Voyager. Yep. So this is Brad Dourif is the guest star, Doc Cochran, the voice of Chucky. Of the ringworm guy in lord of the rings <laughs> yes the ringworm guy <laughs> the guy, the, the dark the 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 my favorite fantasy trope which is the guy who's got black hair dressed all in black and is pale but no one seems to think is up to any kind of mystery right, yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> his name is literally worm tongue <laughs> right. and they're like this guy seems on the level
0: his references were very positive about him and his banking yeah. his prior banking career yeah uh where do i would go here so yeah we've got he's, um
1: i was just gonna say he's great if you need a psychopath brad dorf is the way to go yep. he's uh he's been he has one i think one famous x-files episode where he plays the psychopath and uh he was also in exorcist 3 okay where he gives a fantastic performance as a psychopath. In that what you, what so. year did that come out, the 90s? Oh, Exorcist 3. I want to say it might be late 80s, early 90s, like maybe 1990 or something. Okay.
0: Good movie. Weird yeah, movie. Uh, yeah, my, besides the voice of Chucky, I was think he's just Doc Cochran to me from Deadwood is the big oh, role sure. that I yeah. uh, remember him for. He's uh, always good. Every time he shows up, he's great. Yeah, he's very good. He's a good actor. Um, he plays Lon Suter here who is a Beta Z psychopath that Tuvok goes toe-to-toe with in an episode called Meld. So what would you think of this one? This one is really interesting
1: to me because I loved it for the first half of it. Okay. And then right around the halfway point, I started getting inklings of what might be going on here, and I had flashbacks to last episode or the comments from last episode where the uh, patrons kind of hinted at the unfortunate formula or unfortunate way that some of these episodes were going to go. Yeah. In that they have a really good concept for like the first half and then they kind of nosedive afterwards. Yeah. And so as soon as he had, right as he was having the, Tuvok was having the conversation with with Janeway, I started thinking, oh, wait a minute. I think I know where this is going to go. I think this is Tuvok takes on, the psychopathy of Suter and goes
0: nuts or something,
1: yeah. which is not not what they did. Right. But but they didn't go as goofy with it as I kind of expected Did you to. think he
0: was going to be running around the ship killing people or something like yeah, that? I yeah, I thought
1: he was going to just like turn into a maniac or yep. something. Yeah. Uh, they didn't do that. They did let Tim Russ do some acting, which was nice. Um, but ultimately, I feel like there was so many – really interesting ideas in this especially in the first half up through that that uh discussion with Janeway about whether or not they should execute him and I just don't think the back half of it lived up to it because like the 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 thing that really hooked me was when um Tuvok is talking to the doctor about the initial murder and stuff and uh, after he's gotten the confession from from Suter. And the thing that the, the doctor uh, keys in on is um, how to close the case without understanding the logic of the crime. Right. That's very tough for a Vulcan. And I was like, oh, my God, that's such a good idea. Yeah, If you have a Vulcan up against someone who's done something completely irrational. Yeah, and a the psych- Vulcan, psychopath, yeah. Yeah, and the Vulcan absolutely needs to try to figure out like he's more concerned with the logic of of the thing that happened than whether or not the guy did it. Like that's such a good idea. That's so interesting. Yeah. And they never really got into that in a way that I found very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same with the execution thing, where it's like this idea. You know, he's the logical thing here is that you, if you don't execute this guy, then you have a murder on the ship, and he's taking uh, resources and stuff, and you know, you have to have some sort of blah blah. blah you know, so you've got. Janeway, who's more compassionate to the situation, and and Tuvok, who's much more logical and like uh, harsh or or cold about the about it or emotionless. That's really interesting, but uh, then it turns into he's he starts going nuts, and I don't know. I just it didn't it wasn't really working for me in the back half.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I think this is a really strong episode of Voyager. It's probably yeah. one of the best ones we've seen so far. Uh, it's nice when the series does character work instead of anomaly of the week. <laughs> stuff. Yes, it's yes. It, this one feels particularly deep space ninety to me in some ways. Right, it's yeah. it's about like uh, like I think it accomplishes a lot. Even though I would agree with you, probably not. Quite to the extent that you're saying, but I do think it falls apart. I wouldn't say it falls apart. It has a weaker second half than it has an opening. Yeah, half.
1: like and I mean, I guess I I didn't hate the back half of it. I just I think like I was so excited by the the prospect of the first half. Yeah, that when the when they went the way they did. I think I had a little bit of that expectation left over. So like what like I could uh, sorry I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, I I. I like when they get into the stuff where when when Tuvok starts barking at them through the uh, uh, the force field, I really liked that scene. But in my head, I was like, ah, "Does this really? Is it what? Where is this really fitting in as far as the other stuff goes?" It's a cool scene, and it's doing some interesting stuff. So I was kind of like doing that, putting the puzzle together in my head that way. Yeah. Which I think probably made me a little bit less enthusiastic about the back half. But yep. that being said, I agree with you. I do think this is a really strong episode.
0: It's um, I think the the fact that they focus on character stuff is neat. I think the fact that they go with an aspect of the Vulcan mind meld that we haven't seen yet is a pretty good idea because they they, this is not what's neat about it is that this is not a made up idea. Like it's always been a part that the two minds becoming one leads to um, a mixing of the personalities. Mm -hmm. On some level, they do it in Sarek. They do it in. The TOS films, I'm pretty sure they certainly do it in Sarek and stuff. So it's not like this isn't an example of Voyager making something up like the Warp 10 barrier that they have mm-hmm. to break and you go like, mm-hmm. oh, whatever that is. This is um, an example of something that's existed and it makes sense based on even what they call a mind meld and what Tuvok says, you know, it's two, two minds become one or whatever. Um I think that it's, as you were saying, like the the incentive for Tuvok to do it, he's driven by the fact that he can't understand why someone brutally murdered somebody else Yeah, is really clever. I like the fact that the episode doesn't try to be a mystery for longer than it needs to be. Yeah, I
1: really like that scene where, where Tuvok goes to him and then he's just like, well, no use in
0: denying it anymore. yes i did
1: kill him and i used this thing i put him in here because i thought people wouldn't find him the murder weapon is in this place yeah
0: even the doctor I, I like the, the the when the doctor's like well i found the weapon it has his fingerprints and dna all over it no one else saw anything it has to be this guy that did it they go out yeah. of their way to really like make it you're you're not going to um we're not going to trick you with this one this is actually the guy who did it well, it,
1: when the doctor when the doctor first starts talking about finding other DNA in the wound, yep, I thought for sure it was going to be the owl did it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we get three different scenes of two, of someone shoving that guy into that uh, <laughs> that little plasma <laughs> conduit, whatever that we ended up in. Yes,
1: um, the one the one where Suter kills him, and the one where he just like slips on a banana peel and <laughs> hits, his, just falls, hits just, his head eight
0: times and <laughs> falls inside the conduit. He's like, I better bring Suter back his uh, bloody wrench that he gave me a couple. Oh Jesus, <laughs> 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 the worst case scenario for Lon Suter. I, I like that they don't keep it a mystery. I like that. Yeah. To to me, I guess that my counter to what you're saying, which is not that I disagree with it, to me this one. Reminds me of a song And I was trying to come up with a specific example But it's one of those things It's like when you hear a song like this You recognize it And you're like I'm going to write this down Because it'll come up later I can't think of a specific song But it's a kind of song that like I feel like there are a lot of great songs That are about something Mm-hmm. But you kind of have a hard time identifying it because the song goes off in a lot of different thematic directions about what it's talking about. Like mm-hmm. I feel like REM does this a lot. Like it's like inscrutable sure. to like really understand what they're talking about in it. But like American Pie by Don McLean. Ex- exactly. It's it's all all metaphorical. Um, or uh, Bad Out of Hell by Meat Loaf or something like that. Yeah, well,
1: <laughs> man. I don't know what there's not to understand about that song. It's
0: pretty, it's pretty explicit. So I feel I feel like this episode is kind of about something, but it has a whole bunch of different tangents that come off of it. And sure. they're somewhat distracting, but I think at the same time, they're not so divorced from what the central idea is that they are wrong to include in it. They're just kind of intre- like... I think the should-he-be-executed subplot is a perfect example of that. It's like it's not really the point of what's going on, but right, it's an interesting right. offshoot argument to have that kind of eventually does thematically tie back into it when it's like when Tuvok is a proto and he's like, let me out of here and I'll fucking kill the guy if no one else right, is going right. to do it. So it, it works. It's just that they do feel... Um, if you're if you're if you're really engaged in the first half of it, and you're expecting to see some sort of like deep analysis of where psychopathy comes from and how the Vulcan is going to respond to it, it doesn't really stick to that. It moves mm-hmm. along into other places, and maybe to its detriment. Um, I think it's tangentially interesting, I guess. So I, I don't really yeah. hold it against it.
1: Yeah, I I don't think I do either. After all said and done, um, because. As I was watching it, I think where my head was when I saw that setup, I was like, "Oh, this is like Voyager's duet, where yeah. it's going to be like a person, a person with an un, uh, 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 with who did a certain thing, uh, having a a battle of the minds with yeah. the person silence who can't it. Yeah. Duet, yeah.
0: obviously for Star Trek, but very Silence of the Lambs, yeah."
1: Yeah, and I, I, not necessarily in the same way where one of them is explicitly evil or anything, but there's like there's like a, a core idea of, of not being able to understand the actions of the other person, that kind of thing.
0: Asuda is probably the most evil Star Trek <clears throat> uniformed character, you know? Like he, Yeah, but even so, he seems like a pretty cool dude. Well, like, after, he's not, after the meld,
1: right? Yeah, but even before the meld, like, he's not going full Dorif with it, you know? he's He's still pretty laid back when he's talking about uh, killing people and yeah. he's not he, and he's not like hamming it up or anything <laughs> no he, he's uh which i i it's so interesting with him that specific actor because i feel like he could have gone either way successfully and i wonder if they hired him expecting him to go full yeah uh but he decided not to but he, he he can be very chilling while also being very quiet yeah i, th- I think and, he
0: had to be quiet if, if he was coming yeah. if he was if he played a big serial killer guy, you'd be like, "Why haven't we seen this guy for the past two seasons? Yeah. Like, wh- what's he been up to? <laughs> what's
1: he? What's he been doing on the ship? <laughs>
0: he's, he's obviously running holographic murder programs because he knows that that won't work. But a, a little side note: is he? Is it the quality of the voodoo rip, or is he wearing black contact lenses? I couldn't tell. I think he's wearing contact lenses. Okay.
1: Because there was one close up of his eyes where I thought I saw the edge of a lens. And I was also I was think wondering that too, because I was like, his eyes are just
0: black. Yeah, snake snake like, black eyes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like like a doll's eyes. Um and they, they roll over right before they bite you. <laughs> but uh he Yeah, he he's he plays it very understated. Um he doesn't go too far into, he doesn't go into mustache twirly villain, but yeah, I guess he is uh, the we, most, we don't know I,
0: much about him, but yeah, what he does yeah. is fairly violent, yeah
1: yeah i guess i guess you could call him <laughs> it's just so funny thinking about the fact that this guy has been on the ship for the past 10 months yeah because after the guy after the murder happens like all the all the uh main maquis chakotay and, and torres and tuvok are like yeah i knew it he, <laughs> he
0: uh he has a tendency to just like kill indiscriminately <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry captain i should have yeah it's funny it's the scene you know, Chicote Chakotay is just like, I can't believe it. Yeah. Suter <laughs> talked a lot about killing people when we were. It was fine when he was killing Cardassians. But when he ran out of Cardassians, he just started killing he, everybody.
1: Even Tuvok is like, I spent much time with him. I don't, eat, I don't remember him ever doing that. Chakotay is <laughs> like, yeah, we made sure you didn't see it, Tuvok. But that guy. Woo. He's got some bodies buried, literally.
0: It, it, it retroactively makes it funny to me. The, there's like an intro scene where they're, where they're establishing what's going on and they talk to a crewman in engineering. He's like, it was just me and Suter here last night and the camera cuts to him like working at a computer terminal. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, mm-hmm. it's very funny because he's like, he's clearly the insane person in the office and everyone knows about him, but they treat that moment with a little bit of like levity almost where he's just typing away at his computer.
1: Yeah, yeah, but yeah, he's he he plays it really well. Um, I I think it's really it's really interesting because his shift after the mind meld is so subtle too. Yes, where he just kind of plays it a little bit more as someone who's who's been enlightened to a new possibility. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't go over the top on either side, and I think it's he's just he's such a good actor.
0: They do. Um they do always a favorite of, of mine, which is that the the subtle body swapping stuff, like the posture mm-hmm. changes. Um, a very early scene early on is right after the meld when Tuvok is talking to Janeway. Instead of his hands behind his back, he's sort of wringing his fingers and while talking to Janeway. Oh, sure, sure. Um, and... and Suter when he stands up does the Tuvok hands behind his back as he's talking to him and stuff. Oh, like that. nice! Yeah, I didn't catch that, but uh, um, that stuff is always nice. Yeah, that, like they they do good stuff like that. And I another thing that I appreciate about it is that they don't have Suter sort of break the meld effect first, you know, which I was mm-hmm. kind of worried that they were going to do. Like he like the magic wears off on him first and he becomes crazed again as Tuvok is yeah. trying to battle through his thing. Give into it, Tuvok. Right, you yeah. know you want to. Yeah, as he's no. taunting him. No. And- My mind! <laughs> the- Yeah, I th- he doesn't have a lot to do because he's stuck in the brig for most of it, mm. but it's a nice- It's a good trade-off, and I think um, Tim Russ does a really good job, too. I, I enjoyed- the scene where he's in sickbay behind the force field and he throws the chair at the force field and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think they did a really great job of effectively showing why Vulcans before they had this turn in their history could have been terrifying, you yeah. know? It was, it was yeah. neat. It's kind of neat to say.
1: Yeah, it's funny because Tim Russ kind of goes full Hannibal Lecter yeah. more so than Dorif does. But it makes sense because uh, Suter's someone who lives with this every day, and Tuvok clearly doesn't. And so getting exposed to it is obviously going to be more impactful and intense um, for him. Yes. And I think he does a good job in that scene, too. Because, like, on he's he is so good as Tuvok. He's one of those actors where, like, if I saw him in something not as Tuvok, I don't know if I would recognize him until right. I saw him yeah. in the credits. Because of how quick so
0: the Tuvok speech pattern is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and how still he holds his face all the time. Yeah. And so to see him, like, emoting and... Almost losing the Tuvok voice a bit, you know, like as he was getting more uh, emotional and up there, he started losing the the uh, the Vulcan the Vulcan intonation kind of started to drop away, and he's yeah. like,
0: "I will kill that motherfucker." <laughs> 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 yeah, I I actually thought they could have pushed his losing the Vulcan accent a little bit more, because um, yeah. he's he, he well, does. you
1: know, you go you go to college somewhere outside of Vulcan, it kind of goes away naturally. It does, after yeah, the first couple weeks or so.
0: We're a global village at this point so everything fades
1: the worst is the stu the people who go to vulcan to go to who go to vulcan for like a month and then they come back and they have the vulcan accent (laughs)
0: logic this logic that fuck you bob um (laughs) it's called a truck it's not a
1: lorry you son of a bitch
0: (laughs) yeah i think he's i think he's good um i think that that whole trade-off is uh effective i like i I, th- I think maybe as, like, a canon thing, the only thing that I'm not super crazy about is that the Vulcans have, like, a special part of their brain that needs to be rebooted to make this happen, which is, you know, just one of those yeah, things.
1: That, yeah, that was one of the... When they, when they plug him into that machine, and I was like, ah, okay, fine, I guess. Like, that that's one of the things where I was starting to go, all right, here we go. Like, because they were getting a little bit too silly with it. Yeah. Um, but... You know, I, I think it, it, it gets them where they need to go, I guess, and, and uh, the ends justify the means, I guess, for this.
0: You know, what's a bigger letdown for me that I thought was like a really ripe story beat was that he uh, Tuvok, at the end, after they've rebooted him, he is talking to Janeway and he apologizes for what he said to her. Mm-hmm. I didn't think what he said was that bad and warranted an apology. Like I understand what, why Tuvok would be apologizing, but I felt that what he said to Janeway could have been much more cutting than what he actually says. To her. Sure, I mean
1: he's she's still he's still being insubordinate. No matter no no matter how you cut it, you he
0: know? is, and I, I think he's embarrassed <clears throat> as as a yeah. Vulcan. It would be embarrassing to him. But I I, I thought that there was potential there for e- either that or maybe play up more of Janeway. Like it must be somewhat shocking to Janeway to see what is underneath the Vulcan mindset. You know, mm-hmm. like what they're mm-hmm. holding back is kind of a surprising thing and to see it and to maybe be a little bit more shocked by it or surprised or whatever, but it is Voyager and they're going to have to reboot it back to the status quo at the end of it. But there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of like terror in that, that I think they hinted at, but didn't quite go all the way as to what, what makes, what makes this whole situation all that more uh, bizarre and scary basically. Yeah. And I mean, when he,
1: when he just straight up calls her a coward and a hypocrite and stuff, I thought that stuff was really, Like that's the kind of stuff I like out of these shows, where they take these characters and they and they they test them and they push against the decisions that they've made and stuff. Like that's what gets you the best stories out of uh, out of these shows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, it's this. This is a really interesting episode because I think you're right. It is. It is. It's got a lot of ideas that are kind of circling around the same uh, core. But they're a little bit; they're not totally connected. I think the way that they could be. Like the other thing that I thought was really interesting that they didn't get into is just the, regardless of, um, regardless of uh, uh, whether or not they get into the, Tuvok can't handle not knowing the logic behind the murder thing. Yep. Just putting a Vulcan and a Betazoid together is really interesting. Yeah, because they,
0: they don't really. Yeah, sorry, they don't, the Betazoid thing really just only seems to be done to give him a trigger that this is what causes this to happen to them.
1: Yeah, it's, I feel like it's a bit of a missed opportunity because yeah.
0: you've got a, a
1: Betazoid who feels everything and a Vulcan who feels nothing. And yes. putting those two in conflict is, is pretty cool. That's, I'm kind of surprised they haven't done it before. Frankly.
0: Yeah, it, what, what's surprising to me about it, it, it might be one of the, like the Suter arc does not immediately continue, just to let you know that. He doesn't come back for a couple episodes. Sure. But I, I do feel that this is a story that they could have taken three episodes and done like an Enterprise season four thing where he, this is the arc for three or four episodes that we're going to get through because that way you could sort out all these ideas. I sure. I, I thought that they were making him... <laughs> Because I think they bring up the fact that he's a beta zoid pretty early, and I was like, oh, they're going to play into the idea that you know a lot of serial killers get some sort of emotional kick out of causing terror in their victim, basically. And I thought that as a beta zoid, he was going to be like supercharged by that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. and that would be what would trigger Tuvok because Tuvok also shows interest in that because he does the I'm going to kill Neelix on the holodeck thing, right? So <laughs> Yeah.
1: I was I was wondering is the uh uh Kill Neelix program must be the second most requested program and it's just, under, a line. just just behind <laughs> just behind the sex program,
0: right? Yes. <laughs> After killing him Tuvok goes off and busts a nut over there, but it's just like it's a it's a long line to get into the Tuvok or the uh Kill Neelix i mean the writer is the writers clearly recognize it too right it's like you have neelix yeah. annoy him enough that I, he gets killed
1: i honestly didn't see it coming i mean i, maybe I didn't I did, either but yeah I, I the because the first scene with neelix is also so fucking annoying <laughs> that when they come back to it like i knew what was going to happen i knew it was going to the thing was, okay, he, he's going to annoy Tuvok and it's going to set him off and he's going to grab him or something. Yes. But when he choked him out and killed him, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, I mean, I think I understand this is the holodeck now, but yeah. I was not, they got me on that one because yep. he was just legitimately annoying as shit.
0: And they've had a lot of Tuvok gets annoyed by Neelix in the cafeteria scenes. Mm-hmm. That, that mm-hmm. seems to have happened a bunch of times. So yeah, it's not not super unexpected. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe just to, to, the final point to really, hit about it is that they do bring it is sort of a death penalty allegory and they do it pretty well i think um they make a fairly convincing argument both ways i think for executing suitor uh i think that tuvok comes you know interestingly tuvok comes up with the the sort of rationale for doing it in that, like, they can't give, they can't pass him off to another alien thing. That wouldn't be right. The, he's going to be eating up the rations that people need. He's just going to be stuck in his room. And what kind of punishment is that for the family of that guy who got mm-hmm. roasted or whatever? Set
1: if you send him to SETI Alpha 5, he's just going to come back and kill you in about 25 years.
0: Yep. It's, it's, he'll end up, there'll be a, there'll be a, a, a star chart mistake or something he will just end mm-hmm. up back on earth before anyone
1: else gets there they should have put him on the salamander planet he could have raised those orphan oh that's true yeah just, highly evolved salamander children
0: <laughs> just send him off in a, a warp 10 shuttle janeway i think has a well what did you think of the whole death penalty discussion i feel like janeway doesn't have a She's not as fleshed out in her argument, and it seems more that she's relying on basically what she thinks is the right thing to do, which is not mm-hmm. a bad argument. It's just that I feel that Tuvok's argument feels like it's a little bit more thought out in terms of the writing of it, and Janeway is really just kind of like she did in that previous episode uh, where she has the speech at the end. She's kind of just clinging to ideals in a way. It feels to me. Mm-hmm. Would you think? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's 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 the difference
1: between and I a point of view that is coldly rational and coldly logical versus Janeway's position which is is clearly much more empathetic yeah um and I mean what is that more so than just ideals and and uh uh and an emotional reaction? I you know I think I think she could have gone deeper into the ideals if she wanted to to do that and, and talk about how I mean you know That's not how the Federation does things. Yeah. Uh, But, I mean, even there... Well, I I feel that the
0: the, the strength... Sorry to interrupt, but Tuvok's argument is effective because it seems like it's actually attached to this situation, right? Janeway is not really making an argument for Souter. She's making an argument vaguely against Tuvok's ideas. Does that make sense? So, like... Tuvok's yeah. thing about like, what are you going to tell the sisters of this guy when we get back is a much better emotional argument to me than Janeway just going like we don't do that, mister. That's not our thing yeah. that we do.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is situationally unique, right? Because yeah. it's it's not exactly like the in, in in real life the difference between being put to get put to death and life in prison is not you get to spend 75 years chilling out on a starship yeah uh eating rations. basically yeah, yeah li- living living a comfy life um <clears throat> so I think I think it is very different uh it it is different to the uh how specific the situation is but also like I at the same time though I don't I I am fine with maybe this being the first time Janeway's ever thought about this yeah yeah, so maybe she, maybe where Tuvok is being more specific to the moment, she kind of hasn't had the time to really work that out yet.
0: Right, she's a little caught off guard by the, right, the situation. Yeah. So
1: so her reaction being a little bit more based in ideals and emotion, I think it makes makes a little bit makes sense. Yes. Um because she <laughs> she clearly wasn't counting on one of her crew members to be a psychopath.
0: Yeah, and I I think that maybe the the weakness of it narrative wise is that once it gets to the end and Tuvok is locked in the sick bay and he's like let me out now kill him, the the story to that point has not really given Janeway anything to further develop her idea by that point you know so like there's no Janeway doesn't have an effective argument back at him by the end of it it's just kind of a we don't do this because you you have to rely more on seeing that Tuvok is now basically a crazed. Animal psychopath person mm-hmm. to understand that what he's talking about is the wrong thing to do. I guess. Yeah, it, it's tough for me. I always um, I feel like the death penalty is one of those things that I just don't know where I personally end up on. So it's like it's hard to, it's hard to judge the characters about it because, yeah. like I, and interestingly it's almost backwards. Like I, I, the the rational point of view for me would be the Tuvox side. Of things, which is to say that it's probably based on how wrong the death penalty is a lot of the time. And do you really want to give the state the power to kill people? Right. Is yeah. that, is that, that seems more like the philosophical thing. But the Jane, the emotional aspect is if I, if one of my kids was killed by somebody, I wouldn't want that person to be alive because it wouldn't give me them being alive would not let me have a peace of mind I don't think in some sure. way yeah so it's hard and I I feel like the characters are interestingly swapped here where Tuvok makes the emotional argument and Jane has to make the philosophical one
1: yeah I mean it's uh the tough thing about it is um it's one of those things where most of the people who are coming up with opinions about it are not people who have any like experience with
0: yeah no uh, like emotional connection to yeah it. yeah
1: yeah and i mean and, and which becomes an interesting debate because even the ones that do vary greatly person to person how they feel about it like i'm you know there are people who have family members or who have been murdered who don't Want the death penalty because they think that life in prison is worse. It's a, like it, yeah. it is what my what what I'm getting to is that there's no. I don't think it's a situational. I don't think it's something that you can really come down with a right or wrong answer because it is so. There's so many ways to interpret things, you yes. know, and it's yeah. it, it it can be looked at rationally. But if you look at it rationally, you are it can you can be ignoring the the real emotions baked into it, but. Is that the right way to go? So it is. It's a really difficult. It is a really difficult thing to, to to wrangle.
0: Yeah, and I I think that the, what the episode benefits from is that it doesn't overwhelm the story because I think that if it was the focus of the story, it would not be a good episode. Because that, yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, I I think it would be too. It, it would be. Uh, yeah, it would be too preachy, and I'm sure it would be just too on the nose. And yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure the ultimate uh, method by which they chose to tell that story would might not be as um, considered and appropriate as they think it might be. Sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so to to kind of have it as a subset of this story, I think actually works pretty well.
0: Yes, I think it's I think it's much better. Anything else to say about meld before we go to patron comments? Um, Suter comes back in the so. C- season finale in the first episode of the third season. Is when he Oh, returns. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's it. Then we'll go to Patreon thoughts. Thanks, everybody, for listening today. Thank you for supporting the show. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash the Penske You get extra stuff. You give a couple bucks. You get extra podcasts. You get a whole bunch of stuff and you get the ability to leave comments on upcoming episodes and we read them. The first one here is... That is not the first one first one it's a poem so i'll send it to you because i am not good at reading poetry for some reason okay where's your little blurb thing there it is this is clef and here's your first one
1: brad dorff guest stars in this thriller when tuvok tries to rehab a killer except for the breaks at sandrine's they're all brilliant scenes bottle episode but definitely not filler five satisfying rewinds to see neelix die out of five
0: (laughs) (laughs) you do see the life drain from his eyes andrew churlock says meld we don't see mind melds go nearly as uh, go bad nearly as often enough in the tng era and this one goes really bad solid episode with tim russ and brad durf chucky swapping character perfectly four broken psyches out of five i
1: actually did really like when the (laughs) the doctor was talking about mind melds and he's like, this shit goes wrong a lot more than the Vulcans <laughs> admit. Because that that feels like something, that feels oddly real. Yeah. You know, where it's like, of course the Vulcans aren't. The, everybody knows about the Vulcan mind meld. It's like a cultural thing, basically. They're not going to admit that it lobotomizes people.
0: Yeah, know? I mean, they. Well, it's funny because uh, remember Enterprise, where they, like, Enterp- it's such a good example of where Enterprise went wrong. Like, after this interesting example of a mind meld they just were like the mind meld gives you aids basically and it's like okay like this is this is a much dumber version than what voyager did and everything else did before but it's along those lines
1: yeah i mean the just this the little bit of dialogue that uh Brad Dourif gets where he talks about the mind meld being really a violent act is
0: so much more interesting than mind melds give you. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) it is. It's, it's very, it's, you know, it's meta. It's one of those, like the transporter kills you conversations that they had in that TNG episode about the transporter. it's like, Mm -hmm. everyone's thinking it, but no one really brings it up yeah the oh the one other thing I did want to mention is I thought it was
1: interesting where the doctor's point of view on this on this stuff was it's a good doctor episode um, yeah, yeah, because uh what the hell does he say um yeah the the doctor basically comes down on the on the side of humans or or betazoids or whoever have just have uncontrollable anger that that leads them to do this stuff and it's you know I think most people most civilized people would push back against that, but it's interesting yep. for the doctor who is this programmed medical entity to come down on the side of, no, there's just a part inside your brain that makes you want to kill sometimes. It's just a matter of whether or not you can control it.
0: Yeah, I I actually thought they stumbled over themselves there a little bit because we're in the Star Trek universe and at the current point, it is somewhat in like our timeline right now in the twenty. 2022 or whatever it's it is difficult to identify causes of that kind of violence but in this episode alone they scan his dna and say he's not psychotic you know that like they they understand that there is a cause for whatever psychopathy comes from people or where the violence would come from so it's not as it's not as confusing as the doctor makes it seem in the universe of star Trek voyager unfortunately i was wondering how they were going to get around that because that was. It's the same as the um, that weird episode where the doctor refused to give that like pregnant woman some nausea medication because he's like, "Tough it out, bitch." Do you yeah, remember that one? Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of the same argument here. It's the same, Like he knows the answer, and the answer is very easy to get to. So it's surprising he doesn't.
1: Uh, this is. It was. I was just gonna say it was also kind of um, a bit of a time capsule to see the uh, how the understanding of, of DNA worked. Yep. at this point where yep. it's like it's in the future but they're still like DNA is absolutely irrefutable and also you can tell if you're a psychopath by your DNA. It's like I I yep. don't think that's how that works. <laughs> it might be. I'm pretty sure it's specifically a brain thing. <laughs> they've I don't know if they've it's a narrowed DNA it down
0: thing. a little bit. Maybe there might be some genetic uh, Maybe. disposition to it. I don't know. I don't know how, you how far your medicine has come. One one bead on the double
1: helix just keeps smashing into one of the other beads. <laughs> it's like uh, the psychopath
0: bead. <laughs> the um the little molecules of DNA are doing their own little mind meld every time they replicate. They just find each oh, other yeah. and hold there heads. You go. This is Eric McGowan, the one that I just sent to you. Meld. We're, we're in
1: the back half of season two, which is a lot stronger than some of the earlier episodes this season. Meld is a great Tuvok episode, and Brad Dorff is an excellent guest star. I'm sure Wes and Clay will get a kick out of the Neelix death scene. This one's a strong
0: four out of five for me. Kyle Barrett says, Meld, finally the bad run of episodes ends and a great run begins because this is probably the best episode of Voyager yet. Other than an awkward 90s conflation of bipolar disorder with murderous insanity and a distracting yeah, that, that beep that too. plot yeah. <laughs> there's such a clear focus, intent, and tone to this episode that it brings to mind Deep Space Nine, although maybe that's just the lighting. You can't really have the story be a whodunit when the brilliant Brad Durf is the guest star, so the episode cleverly evolves at a satisfying pace and becomes a fascinating and unsettling Tuvok character study of both the investigator in need of answers and the Vulcan losing his grasp on his emotions, portrayed fra- flawlessly by Russ. And I'd argue that being an outlet for murderous rage is the best use of the holodeck ever in Star Trek. Yes, Wes, even better than schisms. A very high four out of five.
1: Yeah, I wonder so let's let's go back into uh uh TNG for a second in the episode where they discover that Barclay is creating fantasy worlds where he may or may not be yeah. having, having sex, sex with, with holograms people. of his crewmates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> may Which, or may what, not, Clay. <laughs> <laughs> what would be worse? Would it be worse to find that? Or would it be worse to find walk in on Barclay? and he's like, "Oh, this is the program where
0: I get to kill everyone." I I think it would be wor- well, so I think it would be worse to walk in on someone who is killing me but is not a psychopath and is doing it more because they think it's funny. Does that make sense? So, like, oh, I
1: th- if, I thought you were going to combine the two and say walk in on someone who's killing you, but is also sexually aroused during <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> no, like if if it was a psychopath doing it, I would be alarmed, but I'd be like, okay, he's just crazy. But if it was, yeah, like say if I walked in on you killing me, I'd be like, well, Clay's not crazy. So there's something even more upsetting about this than the fact that it's a psychopath <laughs> doing it. If I walked in on someone having sex with me, I always I always kind of thought that the TNG people. Took a little bit of a hoity toity attitude with Barclay. Like, it's wrong what he's doing, but it's not like you don't drag him out in front of the captain and explain that he's what he's doing this to everybody. Yeah. You know? That's
1: it's such a weird concept. Because, mm. like, it gets into all sorts of ideas of
0: uh, identity, vi- basically. Yeah, yeah.
1: Identity and violating bodily autonomy, even though you're not technically doing it for real. Yeah i mean with either one of these, whether it's having sex with or or murdering i guess like yes. i i i i'm sure there's a reading where having sex with a holographic version of someone against without their okay is a form of sexual assault and possibly rape yeah uh, you know i don't know it's it's a weird thing to consider, and we better start working it out because that shit's coming sooner than you think it will be. No, and I like much I, like Barclay.
0: <laughs> they bring it up in this one that uh, Durf says that killing holograms doesn't do it for him. Like he tried mm-hmm. to do that to get around. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure in real life there's like a consistent movement to at least understand if you can, if you can for people who have like people who are pedophiles basically, if you can. Mm-hmm create content that does not actually harm children to satiate their urges like basically like machine learned ai stuff to develop this for them which is not far from what the holodeck is that's a better outcome right like if if they're if a if a serial killer is killing holographic characters it's definitely a better thing than killing real people even if it is weird yeah you know i mean it is but like
1: how how long does that work until? They yeah, have until to, the, yeah, yeah. You know, because I mean, the whole thing with serial killers is is escalation is a big part of it. Like a lot of the guys who have intricate intricate um, methodology in the way that they kill people, it's not something that they do right the first time. You know, it's it's something that they build
0: to. Y- they uh, would when have to the know. Stuff- yeah, they'd have to know it's not. You'd re- have to be a matrix situation, right? Like you put yeah. them in there and they don't know that it's not real because I'm sure that yeah, would impact or, everything.
1: I mean, I guess if you wanted to it to be a uh a, a component of being locked up, but at that point why even bother?
0: R- yeah, right, you just know? to make them happy. That's like giving Lon his uh his quarters or something.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting uh interesting thing to think about. Hm. I- living, living in the future as we do.
0: Yes. Well, the uh Oh, that stuff is coming a long way very quickly. This is Kensito. Uh,
1: Meld. How many times has Brad Dorff played this kind of character? Doesn't he get bored? I certainly wasn't during this episode, but I give the credit for that to Tim Russ's great performance as an unbalanced unbalanced Tuvok. Four out of five.
0: Tax Elbear says, Meld. A good episode because it's one where the antagonist is on the ship, meaning that Voyager can't just sail away from the problem. Which is a very good point, and that is what they we talked about and that you in know, the previous episode. Yeah,
1: and it is such I feel like it's it's fairly underused in the show so far because <clears throat> excuse me. Like there's so many interesting things you could do in this situation that Voyager is in on the ship. Yeah. That it surprises me that they they go right back to All right, we need someone who we need the Klingons to show up and you know. The Kazon. Et cetera,
0: et cetera. Yeah, just be chased by Kazon basically. No, they should have it all should have been internal. It should have been the ship just falling apart for various reasons. Yeah. This is Patrick Seba with a murderer on board. <clears throat> a murder on board. I'm mired in shock. Tuvok gives chase with
1: Paris cock blocked. A bipolar maniac. It doesn't take a brainiac to realize this hard scrabble cunt is Doc Cock. <laughs> what? <laughs> five of five best Star Trek bottle episodes across the series.
0: Point Next G says, Meld, anytime that Voyager can build on things that work uniquely within the show's premise, like what would we do with a violent criminal crewman, almost always makes for a great episode. Spock losing his shit was always a popular story on TOS, and there's no reason it can't work for Tuvok. Violent, angry Tuvok is a great way for Tim Russ to stretch his legs, but I find post-mind-meld suitor to be equally interesting. He understands exactly who he is and he doesn't make any excuses, but he also recognizes exactly what is happening to Tuvok and even tries to help him in his own way. The whole episode is really quite great, even the weird Paris starting a betting pool and being a dick to Chakotay (laughs) storyline. Disagree with that, but the rest of it I agree with.
1: It was a very odd choice for a subplot. I don't uh, I just don't it, get the point of it. What ha, what happened in that? It, it, I don't think it has a point as much as it's just like a non sequitur about the time Tom Paris got a a betting pool going.
0: <laughs> I just like
1: I, it doesn't add anything.
0: It ends so weirdly. They they're basically Paris and Chicote are basically enemies at the end of it, right? And yeah. Harry Kim's final line is like thanks for dragging me into this and then it just ends and that's the end of it. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Also,
1: I just Got what the last line of the one that I read was because it's Doc Cock apost- apostrophe, which I assume oh, Cochran. is a shortening of Cochrane. Cochrane,
0: yes. there you go. They got you. <clears throat> that makes sense. Uh, this is Changeling.
1: Now that is what I call showmanship, Lieutenant Tuvok.
0: This episode
1: didn't have anything really thought-provoking, but was just a vehicle for two really good performances. Dorf really had me guessing of his motivations with his interactions with Tuvok. Did he really want to change his murderous ways? Is he trying to push Tuvok to kill for some real some sadistic pleasure or did he just not care? Russ is good as always. And what a trooper for letting Ethan Phillips put his dirty finger in his mouth. <laughs> Three naked, greasy Vulcan rituals out of five.
0: I also, uh, I did, I, I would stress that I, the suitor thing did have me guessing as well as to what he was actually doing with Tuvok at the end, and I'm glad mm. they went the way that they did. Aaron Million says, Mel, Tim Russ really gets something to work with here, a deep exploration of his character. Up to this point, the franchise more or less skirted around the possible negative effects of a Vulcan mind meld. But here they are, front and center. What really makes this episode work is that you want to know how both characters, not just Tuvok, are affected. Four murderous mind melds out of five. I was also surprised uh, Tuvok opts for the
1: two-handed mind meld. Usually it's just the one. Oh, just the one, yeah. Or Maybe that's just how... The lazy
0: way Nimoy used to do it at the end, yeah, I don't know. The, <laughs> I always thought of, it was just the one hand. End of his career <clears throat> thing. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, what would Sarek do? I, I guess it, it usually is kind of a one. This is a uh, grappler John Zorn with meld. We've been told that Vulcans repress their emotions, but this is the first
1: time an actor gets his junk all wet dipping into that particular well. <laughs> Russ's interpretation is scary AF. It's a pity that Voyager as a series has no idea how to run with the good stuff. It does. The result is a piece of acting and development that deserves to find its way into the Vulcan DNA, but instead gets lost in the backwater eddies of a middling to poor season. A lot of good water imagery in this game. Yeah, yeah. As good as Russ is, Dorf is better. Where Tuvok's character development gets whisked away before the next episode, Souter is permanently changed by the meld, setting up his arc as one of the best and most interesting in the series. It's certainly more coherent than almost all of the main cast members get for their trouble. Four black-eyed worm tongues out of five.
0: Oh, well, maybe uh, so. It might just be contacts with the black eye thing. Mm. There, it's a good choice. He looks. He looks scary. Yeah. Darren Hatch says, meld, this is the last comment. The last episode was so bad that I didn't even leave a comment, but this one definitely deserves a shout-out. That shout-out goes to Tim Russ and his performance, which is saying something since he's often sharing the screen with the legendary Brad Durf. Tuvok often gets written off as just another Spock, but this episode firmly establishes him as his own character, a full Vulcan that really struggles with their anger and violent thoughts. If this episode does anything, it proves that Tim and Tuvok are undoubtedly the unsung heroes of this Trek series. Four dead Neeluxes out of five. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, he's
1: he's really great. He's uh, he's probably the third best Vulcan I think we've probably talked about that before. Yes, yeah, like after he's, Spock and
0: Sarek, yeah, the only two, yeah. yeah. No, I was, um, yeah, I was going to ask you. I, I mean, at this point, it's really between him and the Doctor on this show. I think, and yeah, I don't feel yeah. that the Doctor has gotten as much work as Tuvok has. Um, mm-hmm. The Doctor feels like he has in- hints of interesting things going on, but it 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 kind of gets washed away by like a, a joke or something. Like he'll make a joke, right. and that's the end yeah. of it. I I think Russ and um Tuvok are my favorite character from the show so far and even if he is just a a version of uh Spock and Sarek that's kind of what I envision the Vulcans as like all the Vulcans should kind of right. be that way Right yeah so he does a good job with it and you know he does stuff like this episode which gives him enough individuality from those two I think in a way that he becomes his own character
1: yeah, it's it's funny because you'd think I mean obviously this is boring for an actor. I'm sure we've talked about this before, but you would think based on the concept of the Vulcan and the Vulcan sensibility, there should be a sameness to them. Yeah, you know, but yep.
0: yeah, I mean, you can, yeah, I I think there's room with it's a, it's a t- it's it's similar to the Data role, right? Like playing mm-hmm. Data is hard. But you have a lot to work with within playing data that way. Right. Um, the Vulcan stuff is just like you can't you can't give you can't give a prominent Vulcan role to like a B minus actor unfortunately right yeah it's tough it's it's a really hard race to play correctly, I think
1: yeah it reminds me of do you remember slash have you ever seen the movie equilibrium? Yeah, with the uh, Christian
0: Bale. Gun yeah, up. I'm,
1: I I guarantee we've probably talked about this before in this exact same context, but we've doing doing this for eight years. Um, but it's so interesting watching that movie because the concept is that everybody takes these drugs that repress their emotions, and the actors have to make a choice as how to portray that. Mm-hmm. And you know, the two most prominent actors in the movie are Christian Bale and Tay Diggs, and yep. <laughs> Christian Bale uh i don't want to say tay diggs is a worse actor than christian bale but i think i can say that (laughs) because because i i think tay diggs is is taking a lot more liberties with what that might mean as opposed to christian bale who clearly has like internalized it a bit more (laughs) and kind of understands it um But I think it's the same with the Vulcans. I think there's some who are like, well, I mean, what does no emotion really mean? You know, right. you can't just be blank because that's boring. It's like, well, yeah, that's you don't do that, but you figure out a way to act it
0: that is not boring.
1: Yes. Like I would um Like I'd never call Sarek or Leonard Nimoy boring. Right. What they do.
0: And I like it's also it's a it's a thing about understanding like I what, I, what the the moments that shine through for me are uh doesn't really, not this episode is not a great example but like when Neelix is annoying Tuvok mm-hmm. that's a perfect performance from Russ basically because the yes. Vulcans do yeah. get annoyed by that like he is annoyed by the character he has a emotion to it but he is being you know being stoic's the wrong word but he's being unperturbed by it as best that he can that's, right. that's his choice to do that. And I think that that's, a, that's an effective way to show – like if you were to show someone that they have to play a Vulcan, that's the kind of acting that they have to get from it.
1: Yeah, like when you tease an Amish person, they can't punch you. That's so right. So you just keep putting ice cream on their head like <laughs> Homer
0: Simpsons. <laughs> keep kicking their horse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's it for the comments. Thanks, everybody, for leaving your thoughts. Patreon.com slash if you want to leave thoughts. Clay, this is meld. What are we going to give it on our scale of one to five? I'll stop the world and meld, meld with you. you. Uh, I'm going to go four on this. Yeah. Yeah. It's a high four for me. Yeah. Good stuff. Yep. I think it's, yeah. Just to repeat myself, I think it's probably one of the top one or two episodes we've seen so far. Um, mm-hmm. It does The show doesn't always have to go to the space-time anomaly. It can just kind of sit with the characters and do a very effective job of explaining what they are. Uh, the weirdness of it is what you were saying, in my opinion. It's just kind of a, a, a like, relative loss of focus towards the end. Yeah. Not even in a bad way, but it's not exactly the tightest script towards the second half or the last third or whatever.
1: And, I mean, let's just be honest. We're not giving the show a five until we see Seska give birth. Like, I'm talking right. full crowning. <laughs> <laughs> On <laughs> and network t- television.
0: We'll at least do a fist fight between Chakotay and Maj Kala just in yeah. the in the delivery room. That's all I want. Uh, yeah, we'll give it fours then. Good episode. Good Voyager episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Patreon, again, patreon.com slash the Penske file. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? This has nothing to do with anything. Yeah.
1: But I just came across this today. I was, I was reading an, uh, an article about how um, they are re-releasing Bram Stoker's Dracula in the theater in 4K for its 30th anniversary, which is wild to me that the movie is 30 years old. Yep. Um, And I got very excited, and then I saw, oh, it's only in the UK. Then so Hopefully it comes here. Not the point. Uh, at the bottom of the link <clears throat> of the article was a link to another article on the same site talking about this movie called The Invitation, and it's not The Invitation, not the movie that we covered on Rotten Horror Picture Show. This is a, uh, a different... Um, a, a new movie from just came out this month called The Invitation. I think I might have seen the trailer. I can't remember. It's it's like a girl goes to this creepy house and it's things get weird and blah 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 blah. Yeah. And so I'm looking at this the link, and it says alternate ending where Dracula ends up on the Demeter, and I'm like, what? Wait
0: a and minute. And I clicked. Court. Yeah. I for
1: for this movie, The Invitation. Okay. Apparently. I apologize for spoiling this but apparently the invitation is a secret Dracula movie.
0: The 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 the, set, the new invitation movie that's not yes. the Netflix one. Okay. Not
1: the Netflix one, the one that like just came out, it's in theaters right now. It's apparently a secret Dracula movie. And this girl goes she she finds her uh she does like a, uh, an ancestry thing. She finds out that she's related to something and blah, blah, blah. And she right. ends up going to Europe and she ends up going to this lavish house that her family used to own. And she meets this family friend. And like the whole thing is her being uh, kind of guided into the role of becoming the bride of right. his family friend. And apparently the family friend is Dracula. Huh.
0: That's interesting. Yeah.
1: And it didn't get great reviews, but now I want to watch it. Yeah, because I had no idea it was a Dracula
0: movie yeah well it's it's inter- like how it's interesting because if you didn't know that twist, how long into a movie would you have to realize before would you get before you realized what was going on right you know, like
1: I feel like you're kind of in from dust till dawn territory there, yeah, where it's like the first half of this movie better be really engaging in order for you to stick around long enough to find out that it's about Dracula. <laughs> usually you lead with that but i i'm i'm actually really interested to see it now because i love it when movies try to do stuff like this but i don't think this movie is has been particularly successful or well reviewed yeah um so i think no one got to the twist yeah i get i guess nobody got to the twist and i was watching the trailer going like okay so they do have some vampire stuff like they hint at some vampire stuff and like give you quick quick shots of some vampire stuff but it's not really super explicit yeah it's definitely not explicitly dracula and i'm wondering if in retrospect maybe that was not the right choice but i don't know it's tough because you want to you want that to be like a fun twist
0: yeah but it's tough knowing it now to watch it you know yeah Mm. it's a tough it's a a tough spot to be in uh, to make a movie that way but interesting Mm. and the the invitation just came out yeah, I, I feel weird because,
1: like, I would love to not know that going into it. Right. But I wasn't going to watch the movie before. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a bad catch 22 for a filmmaker. Yeah, Huh. Well, check out The Invitation, people. I mean, or if you, if you accidentally watched it for some reason, let us know if you realized it was Dracula in the background there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. All that being said, uh, October
1: on the uh, second string of Stephen King on Patreon will be covering Pet Cemetery, So stick around
0: for that. There we go. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Is it Dreadnought is the next one? Let me see here. I can click the little button and see. It is. It's Dreadnought. So we'll be back with the Dreadnought episode next week. Until then, see you later.